Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kick it Well, down. welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, certified nutrition specialist. And this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and therapeutic nutrition therapy. Last Friday in the Maple Grove uh, Nutrition for Weight Loss class, one of the class members said, you know, I had a stressful week, and so I had a bad food week. Mm. She said, if it didn't get out of my way, I ate it. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, people really in the class, they They, laugh. Yes, right. But really, to this person, it was no laughing matter. Now, you know, she didn't go to the bar and do shots, but we could almost guess that she struggles with another type of addiction, a food addiction. She turns to food when stressed. You know, actually the idea or understanding that a person can be addicted to food has really gotten a lot more support from science recently. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to talk about some of the science and how it relates to food addiction. So very nicely joining me as our co-host is Katie Harla. And Katie is a registered and licensed dietitian who is fascinated by the science of food addiction. And I suppose we get fascinated with a topic, especially if we've dealt with it. I think so. That might make sense. <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about how I've been there, right? Um, yeah, you know, and just after this show, Dar gets to whisk away to Hawaii, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes. Oh, for a whole yes. week. Yes. Oh, relax. Good, good for you. Uh, so, you know, how many of you out there are aware that experiments in animals and humans found that for some of us, the same reward center in the brain that lights up by things such as cocaine or heroin, those centers are also activated by food. I don't think a lot of people know that one. I don't one, think a lot Katie. of people would realize that. No. You know, so... What kinds of foods, especially foods with, you know, bad fats. Okay. Would that be like French fries? Like, yes, exactly. Like fats and French fries, fats and some of those potato chips, Mm -hmm. right? So sugar. We all um, know that one. We know that one. Or even (laughs) lots of foods that turn to sugar. Yes. Um, You know, foods that have the chemicals like aspartame, which is an artificial sweetener found in diet soda. And, you know, most of us have experienced how addictive diet soda can be. Oh, I think, you know, mm-hmm. we hear it all the time. We do. You know, it's it's that one piece. I, and I always say this in classes and counseling. Diet soda is mean. It's mean <laughs> because it when people love it and it gives their brain kind of, it just latches on. And people just, that's the one thing they can't shake is exactly. that diet soda. My uh, diet soda of choice in the past was diet sun-kissed. Oh, really? I loved, yeah, you didn't know that. No, I didn't. I I learned something every day. Every day. (laughs) I loved my, I I figured I didn't want to sit through some of my classes without my friend, the diet sun-kissed. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Oh, boy. So, you know, Katie, researchers have tested how addictive sugar is Mm -hmm. for many animals Mm -hmm. and humans. You know, it's really no surprise to find that sugar is very addicting to many people and even to mice. Even to mice. Here's something that's kind of interesting. Mice will actually scramble for sugar. You know, they'll actually leave a safe zone, Mm -hmm. venture into a risky area if they can get to sugar. Huh. So that's really interesting because it's almost like, you know, people 
for instance, logically know that sugar isn't good for them. That's right. Right. But they go out of their way to, to seek it out. So think about this one. Menards, Super America's, the grocery store checkout lane. You know, it might not be considered an unsafe zone, mm-hmm. but for sugar addicts, the bag of candy that are waiting to lure us in, you know, they're right mm-hmm. there. They're right there. Right there, there yes. when you check out. Yes. You know, and I, I was talking to Dar about this before um, the show, but as a child, um, if my dad's listening, hi, dad. Um, <laughs> but I remember Menards. We'd go on Menards trips, and I never associated with Menards with, like, lumber and lighting. What did you associate it with? Orange slices, but the candy kind. Really? I, I feel a theme here with the orange. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I must like that. But that's the thing. Whenever we went to Menards, we'd always get orange candied slices. So. Okay. Well, you know, when I'm at Menards and I look at all that stuff, yeah. I say, huh, big profit center there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, so here's a question for the listeners. Have you ever felt a rush of euphoric pleasure after eating a bagel or maybe a scone, or even a muffin? You know, if so, you are not alone. You know, these foods can produce a warm, kind of pleasant high, Mm -hmm. which can be very addictive. Yes. And some people get to a point in their addiction that they only feel normal Mm -hmm. after eating high-sugar foods. And, you know, that might be candy, jelly bean, M&Ms, or even after that morning muffin and bagel. Right, right. Um, you know, so could that be the reason, you know, this is the question, could that be the reason why toast and peanut butter is so addicting, especially if people are eating peanut butter with partially hydrogenated oil and sugar? We know that people have a hard time giving yes. up that yes. toast that's, and peanut butter. That's a favorite. For and people. sometimes it isn't for breakfast. Right. It's for dinner. Yes. Or a snack or, right, um, you know, so sugar... Sugar, gluten, and bad fats, that's all what are in, you know, is in that toast and peanut butter. So interesting. There's always a biochemical reason for addiction. And really what it is, is the brain is out of balance. So researchers have known since the late 1970s that gluten found in bread, bagels, scones, muffins break down in the stomach. And they can actually cross the blood-brain barrier. And they dock onto the morphine receptors to produce a high that can be very effect, uh, very addictive to people. Yes, yeah. And so it's kind of, you look at this and say, okay, this breaks down, it crosses the blood-brain barrier, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. docks on to this very addictive um, neurotransmitter, our re- yes. cell receptors, actually, and bingo. Right, and that's the thing that, you know, food is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if we give food enough I mean, we do, but I don't know if as a culture we give food enough credit to know how powerful it can be. So this is just showing that the glutens can cause that brain addiction. And I think that's a very interesting comment. Mm -hmm. I I agree with you. I don't think people realize how powerful food Food is. is. Yes. That's why we're here telling them, right, Dar? That's right. (laughs) You know, most of us know that even sugar and alcohol give us those feel-good properties that kind of get us coming back for more. Um, But... You know, even think about candy or jelly beans. So one jelly bean turns into mini jelly beans. I don't hardly know anyone that can have one jelly bean. No. Unless it would be my daughter-in-law. Okay. (laughs) They can just one. Yes. 
Or one glass of wine for many often turns into two glasses of wine, turns into three, turns into half the bottle, turns into the whole bottle, right? Exactly. Um, And people, stuff like that, you know, when people have that addictive piece, they'll, they'll just keep thinking about the jelly beans sitting on the counter or the Oreos in the back of their cupboard or the glass of wine or the bottle of wine sitting on the counter. Mm-hmm. You know, their brain keeps going back to that piece. So how do you control these addictive substances? You know, an alcoholic in recovery stops buying wine. A sugaraholic stops buying jelly beans. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I think most people get it about sugar and the alcohol being addictive substances. But how many people realize that gluten-containing foods are also addicting? So the bread basket that you get when you go out to dinner, mm-hmm. you know, or the instant oatmeal that you just love in the morning, that can be your downfall. I think, Katie, we both had clients who did not want to give up their oatmeal. Oh, yes. They think it's a health food. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But not so much for food addicts. Right. You know, the the whole idea with that really can be that gluten can actually change your biochemistry and affect our brain's pleasure and addiction center. And it's really, really amazing. So perhaps, just think about this one. This is why many food companies pack a lot of gluten into their Mm -hmm. foods. Mm -hmm. They're actually counting on people not being able to stop with one. Because you know what? They make more sales. Right. Maybe those food companies aren't necessarily interested in our health as much as they are interested in profit. Profit. So it is about that time. Okay. We're going to take a break, everyone, and then we'll kind of keep the conversation going about some of these addictive properties with our food. Um, But when... You're kind of lost. I where can't find my... You've got so many papers, you so don't know. papers. Here. Wait a second, everyone. We are. There we are. No, no. This is okay. live. This is live. Oh, so you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And if you have heartburn, don't ignore it. And this is a lot of... This is something we definitely work on a with lot. clients. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot. So heartburn is a way your body is telling you there is something wrong. So why should you not ignore heartburn? So over time, acid reflux can actually lead to esophageal cancer. That's really serious. That's very serious. You know, so what are some causes of acid reflux or heartburn? You know, so for many, eating gluten grains, bread, pasta, muffins, those can cause some of that kind of acid reflux and heartburn. Or even drinking a lot of soda. Right. Diet soda, sugar Mm -hmm. soda. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of habits that people have. Yes, yes. You know, so as nutritionists, we actually find when people stop eating the gluten grains, they reduce sugar and alcohol, and then also take about a half a teaspoon of dophilus powder, which is acidophilus, an acidophilus strain, uh, mixed in water at bedtime uh, to support the stomach lining, the heartburn will usually go away. So if your problem is more serious, we recommend making an appointment with a nutritionist at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, and we know you want to avoid getting esophageal cancer. So give us a call at 651-699-3438 to set up an appointment. We'll be right back. I can't stop with one. Are you a person that can't stop with one, one cookie, one brownie, one bowl of cereal? Does out-of-control eating leave you bloated and frustrated, feeling unworthy and embarrassed? 
You may say to yourself, why can't I control my food when my relationships are fine, my job is great, and I'm not worrying about money? How could I get my eating and weight under control when I continue to overeat? Nutritional Weight and Wellness understands that compulsive eating is not a character defect or an emotional problem. It is a chemical imbalance that can be corrected. If you need help getting your eating under control, schedule a private consultation with a caring, knowledgeable nutritionist. You may be surprised that when you follow a plan that balances your biochemistry, you no longer eat compulsively. Call Nutritional Weight and Wellness today at 651-699-3438 or go to weightandwellness.com to schedule an appointment at an office convenient for you or arrange a phone consultation. Learn how nutrition can be your solution for compulsive eating. That's weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I want to read a, a comment from two people who took our Nutrition for Weight Loss program recently. You know, the first comment, I lost almost 30 pounds. I have gone from being overweight to being at normal weight. I can now fit into my pants from several years ago. That always feels good for people. You know, my husband, just by eating the foods that I cook, lost 27 pounds and 15 inches. So here's another comment from another person that was in the class, too. She said, over the holidays, I didn't gain weight, and that was a big deal. Yes. So I worked on starting to exercise, plan healthy meals, and be more aware. So I have more energy, better digestion, and fewer cravings. I love the class, and I'm taking it again to keep me on the weight loss path. And so everybody experiences it just a little bit different. Yes, yes. And we have many Nutrition for Weight Loss classes starting next week. So you can check our website, weightandwellness.com, or call 651 Six nine nine three four three eight. Yeah, I have a nutrition for weight loss class going on right now Wednesday nights in Lakeville. So if anyone's listening, hi. They're such a fun class, and we just have so much fun together. And we have another nutrition for weight loss start class starting Thursday night in Lake. I think it's the twenty eighth or okay. so. Okay. In Lakeville. Yes, yes, and Kristen's teaching that one. Kristen so. and Leslie yes. and and some and Kristen and Leslie and Someone, Nell. Nell. Oh, okay. Nell. Oh, that'll lots be of, lots of inspiration yes. with those three. Yes. Oh, that'll be so good. Well, before we get back into our conversation, uh, we do have a caller. Okay. So, that sounds great. We can take someone. So I so, forgot, you know, Katie, yeah. I, for, I forgot to put out the number too. It's oh, 651-641-1071 if yeah. people want to call us and ask us. Yes, absolutely. About addictive great. eating. Very good. Heidi, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question for us? I do. It's about steel cut oats. Okay. Um, you guys were talking about the microwavable stuff, but I, I make a crock pot of steel cut oats once a week, and I wondered what your thoughts were on that. I think it depends on how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody, some people can eat that. Mm-hmm. You know, it has more fiber in it. But I think for people that have true gluten sensitivities mm-hmm. and are really sensitive to grains and it makes them hungry all mm-hmm. day long, right. it doesn't work. Right. Okay. And once you, right, and that's a very good point. Like it depends on the person. For somebody who is more addictive, it still might not be a good option. Um, but, you know, we usually recommend about a half a cup. Yeah, um, but then you, we really recommend if you're okay with that, then to have a couple of eggs with that, mm-hmm. so right. that okay. you're making sure that you get your protein. Okay, thank you so much. You're okay. welcome. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Heidi. So we were talking about food addiction. Food addiction. This is such a good topic. 
you know, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, gluten and, and sodas and things like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you are addicted um, to processed carbs, gluten may actually be the culprit. And gluten is hiding in so many foods. You know, of course, we know things like bread. It's in bread. It's in pasta. It's in rolls. It's in muffins. But it can even be in your seasoning. It can even be in your ice cream. I mean, and that's kind of surprising, surprising for people. Right. They say, oh, gluten bread. Um, it could even be in sauces. Just enough in those foods to light up the pleasure center, the addiction center in your brain. So here's a solution to a sugar addiction. It's basically, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. It's stop buying it. Mm-hmm. You know, just think about this. A four-pound bag of jelly beans for Easter really has to go. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people stop for M&Ms after work. So they mm-hmm. kind of have to change that behavior. Mm-hmm. You Maybe you have to go in and buy an apple mm-hmm. right, or a banana or something else and that you replace that bag of M&Ms with. Yes. You know, and right away, it's an intentional effort. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's, we're not saying it's easy right away to no. stop and break that habit, but it has to get to a point in our brains where we're like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm just going to, today is the day I'm going to stop. I'm not going to buy those M&Ms. You know, I think a lot of people that are listening right now, Katie, mm-hmm. are saying, yeah, but you don't understand. Right. Oh, yes, I do. Okay. Tell okay, them why your don't story. I... Yeah. Tell your story. You know, and that's the thing is like in, in the past, um, I had a lot of addiction. You know, Dar and I were talking about this before the show with, with food. Um, and I would, you know, if there was like a scone, if I was out to coffee or something with a friend and there was a scone in front of me um, or a muffin or, you know, bagel or whatever it was, I couldn't carry on that conversation with the person. You know, I, all I was mm-hmm. doing is I was thinking about the scone, you know, and all I was doing all the time. And I would look at other people and I would say, you know, I wonder if they're thinking about food or if this person is thinking about food because I knew that I was always thinking about food mm-hmm. and I couldn't imagine my brain not thinking about food. And I know that that's how a lot of people yes. are. That's you know, where their brain is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have I have a client that I'm working with and she had struggled with sugar addiction since she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came in and she's been coming in and she the last time I saw her, she goes, I'm I'm not thinking about sugar anymore. And she goes, I, I'm almost not sure what to do with this space in my brain because <laughs> it's, it's so shocking. She, and so that's the thing. It's, it's magic. I mean, it feels like magic to us. I but, mean, yes, and we say that often. <clears throat> yes, we do. And I truly say, and I was talking to my Nutrition for Weight Loss class about this on this last Wednesday. And I truly, like if you put a scone or cereal or whatever it is in front of me now, I... It has no effect on me. It, I have not thinking about it. It has no draw, you know, and it's it's amazing. Um, but how long have you been eating the weight and wellness way now? Oh, at least a couple years. Yes. At least a couple years. I and, was slowly transitioning into it, but at least a couple years for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and it took time, right? Yes. But it is, it's extremely freeing is mm-hmm. the big, but it, it takes that first step, that first intentional effort. Um to kind of get to that point. And I, I kind of came to a breaking point where I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I need to change my food and I'm going to start eating more meat and vegetables. Okay. So it and then that, that changed point. your brain chemistry. And that started to change my brain chemistry. And then that, those, that cravings and that addiction mm-hmm. to sugar just kind of vanished. Started to just slowly fade away. Yep. And to the point where I'm like, didn't even really realize it was happening until it was gone. Yep. Uh, 
So, you know, a really a beginning solution to, let's say, even an alcohol addiction is don't hang out at your favorite bar, right? Mm-hmm. So that makes kind of common sense. But really, like we were saying, until we rebalance our brain chemistry, it's difficult to achieve. So what about a car- carb addiction? Mm-hmm. And, and this is our, our, our area. Yes. You know, we have found that when people go gluten-free, mm-hmm. we hear this over and over and over, their cravings for carbs suddenly become magical. Mm-hmm. Or it becomes manageable. Yes. And it's, like we've said, it's magical. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, I think, one of the connections for me is that I, I like gluten really did light up that pleasure center in my yes. brain to keep eating more. Yeah. So it's it's pretty amazing. So it sounds so easy, um, but we know it isn't. You know, so let's pretend that we could look inside your brain. You know, what would we see? So in your brain, there are 10 billion brain cells. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. And in between each and every one of those brain cells are chemical messengers called neurotransmitters mm-hmm. that transmit a thought or a message from one cell to the next cell. So specifically, the neurotransmitter dopamine controls how addicted we become to certain substances or behavior. So if we are low in dopamine, we can easily become addicted to alcohol, easily become addicted to drugs and food. And, you know, we know, Katie, we Mm -hmm. know that dopamine is not the only neurotransmitter. Right. We have at least, they say... uh, What is it, like 200 200. plus? 200. So what... The addiction dope, the addiction neurotransmitter, when you're low on dopamine, like you just said, mm-hmm. it seems to set up that, you know, kind of predisposition mm-hmm. to a, to having an addiction. And we've almost kind of, you know, some in some of our classes we call dopamine, in which we know, the addiction brain chemical. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if you're struggling with a food addiction, what might have caused you to have a deficiency of dopamine? And I think we should we, hold that and take a go on break. I think you are right. We'll kind of come back and talk to talk about that. Um, but it is time for break, and you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. So next weekend we are offering the Weight and Wellness Weekend Series. So class one will actually be taught Friday, Friday evening, March twenty eighth. Uh, several classes will be taught on Saturday, March twenty ninth. And you will finish up with class six on Sunday, March 30th. Uh, You actually, for nurses, you get 14.4 continuing education credits. Um, And six, you know, in the classes, there's going to be actually six different nutrition educators. We will provide lunch and snacks. And there's just going to be so much life-changing nutrition education. It's going to be so much fun. You know, we have space available for, I think, only maybe three more people now. So kind of call today and sign up. Um, As part of class, you are going to receive our brand new weight and wellness cookbook and nutrition guide. Uh, So give us a call, uh, 651-699-3438. And and you're really going to enjoy learning um, the most up-to-date nutrition info. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. The fact is sugar is addicting to most people. You know, there are 200 million sugar addicts in the U.S. Mm, Wow. So you're really not alone with this problem. But of those 200 million, many of them have obesity or they have diabetes or they're Mm. pre-diabetic or they have heart disease, have aches and pains from inflammation caused by the sugar 
And that's something I think a lot of people don't realize. Right. right. If they wake up and their body is aching, it's probably they've had sugar the night before or the day before. Yes. And to control and manage your food addiction, most people need a well-designed, <clears throat> scientifically sound program that supports your biochemistry so your cravings will go into remission. Yes. Now, they don't go away. They go, they, they, they go into remission. Right. And that program is really at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And so you can call today to set up an appointment. And if you want to work with a nutritionist who's had personal experience with carb cravings yeah. and food thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I won't call it an addiction, but I'll just food, food thoughts. <laughs> Katie is your person. Yeah. So you can call 651-699-3438. That's really and, interesting remission. Like, I mean, it's truly like I don't have any of that anymore and I can stand here and Truly, honestly, say that. But I bet if I stopped eating this way, if I decided, oh, I'm not going to do this, eat this way anymore, I bet they'd come back. Oh, they would. I'm sure they would. Roaring back. Roaring back, (laughs) yes. So before we get back to the conversation, we do have a caller. All right. Sounds Um, great. Yeah. So, Jenny, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Uh, Do you have a question for us? Hi. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I was hoping to get some bag lunch ideas. My husband works at an outdoor job site and doesn't have access to like a microwave or refrigerator and usually we do just like a sandwich, chips and Mm -hmm. you know fruit but I'm just hoping for some uh, better suggestions. Well I know um, I have a lot of clients when they have that situation just if he could like even bring like a wide mouth thermos and fill it up with um, chili or like a favorite soup Mm -hmm. recipe. Um, I know like he could even cut up you know, some chunks of steak or like a good, um, like a nitrate-free, MSG-free couple sausages and put some some vegetables and some butter in there with maybe a little rice and kind of almost make like a, I don't know, like a hashy type type right. thing. Sure. You know, we, we also, in our cookbook, and I think it's on our website, weightandwellness.com, we have a turkey sausage recipe mm-hmm. that yes. you can make it in, into turkey patties and you could send several of those with them, and they are great cold. Yes. I eat them cold oh, all the time. Yeah, those are good. And they're very, very satisfying. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. then I think with that, just send a bunch of raw vegetables cut up, maybe with some uh, guacamole and also, you know, a fruit or two, and maybe even some almond butter that he can dip an apple in. Because mm-hmm. he needs, okay. the, you know, he needs the extra fat, I'm sure. Yes. And sure. Uh, to satisfy him and keep him full. And that way you can kind of stay away from the bread stuff mm-hmm. and you're actually right. eating something that's going to produce more energy for him. And okay. And two, honestly, like if he, my lunchbox if, is, is very large, like <laughs> I got it from Target and it, but it's big enough to like carry enough food and then I put an ice pack in there and it works really well. You can just, you know, kind of sling it over your shoulder um, okay. and he could bring that with a bunch of some of those foods in it to keep it cold throughout the day. Okay, and you said that your website has additional suggestions? Yep, yes. it has some additional recipes and things that you can use. Mm-hmm. So just check it out, okay. weightandwellness.com. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you for the question today. Yeah, that's a good yes. question. Have a good day, Jenny. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So uh, should we should we take another caller? Or? We, I think that lady had to, to get off the line. So. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. That uh, sounds good. So let's get back to the conversation. Um you know, we were kind of talking about how our food choices can affect our brain and our kind of the addiction centers. You know, so we know to produce dopamine in our brain, 
Remember, we want lots of dopamine. That's yeah. We were wondering before we went on break. We were the question was, why are some people lower on dopamine, and how do we make it right? So how do we make it? So I mean, it goes back to our food choices. Um, To produce dopamine in our brain, we need key amino acids, and those come from animal protein. So in college, I kind of went on this journey and um, became a vegetarian. And kind of at the root of my desire to become a vegetarian was my desire to be extra uh, low fat in my eating. You know, because okay. I thought that that was going to be the best way for me to be eating. I would pride myself on eating less than 10 grams of fat a day. Um, that's very low. <laughs> right. Um, so I removed all animal proteins. Um, I removed then a lot of fat too. But the piece is, is, you know, so I was a vegetarian and this is really when I remember my kind of food addiction and food thoughts kind of starting um, because I removed the animal protein. So mm-hmm. the protein in my diet goes down. And if we remove the protein, we re- reduce a lot of those key amino acids right. that build the dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't eating chicken. I wasn't eating eggs. I wasn't eating steak. So I was reducing the amount of uh, amino acids to build dopamine. So my dopamine in my brain went down. So did my serotonin and a lot of other brain chemicals. Sure, exactly. Um, and then my cravings went up. Mm-hmm. So this is when that addiction cycle happened. So my brain chemistry was low and I was constantly craving carbohydrates. I would wake up in the morning and one of the first things I would think about would be cereal and toast. Mm-hmm. And I would eat cereal and toast. And I would say, that's not enough. <laughs> I need more cereal and toast. And I need more. And fi- there were times where I, I was so frustrated with myself that I would just throw the cereal away because I was like, I can't have this around me. But the next time I went to the grocery store, I picked up some more. Okay. So it's really quite, kind of amazing. Um, but right now, I, again, it's, that is completely gone. Like I'm not experiencing any of that anymore. You know, and I think this is happening to a lot of women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they get caught in this kind of that cycle of low fat. Yes. Which, like you said, mm-hmm. meant low protein. You're right. Because you know why? Because they're always trying to control their weight. Yep, yep. And then they end up with these really addictive eating behaviors, just like you did, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. because you were low on dopamine. Right. You know, and it's not just women. No. Kids can get caught in the cycle, too. Um, you know, maybe mom gives them cereal for breakfast, crackers for a snack, and peanut butter sandwich for lunch. Maybe a fruit yogurt for a snack in the afternoon, and then maybe it's spaghetti dinner um, in the evening. So it's all very little protein, and what happens is all they want to eat is processed carbs. They have kind of started to develop that, I can't stop with one behavior at a very young age. I mean, I think if you're a young mom listening to this and you're thinking, wow, that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm giving my kids cereal for breakfast. And then they they are always hungry. They're and I'm mm-hmm. giving them crackers, mm-hmm. and then of course a peanut butter sandwich. Right. And so vir- virtually, they maybe are mm-hmm. consuming two to three ounces of protein per day, if, day if the spaghetti has meat in it. Right. It's so all... it's very little. Mm-hmm. So you know, kids develop this. I can't stop with one, and, and I. I have a story about my brother. Yeah, this is, we were talking about this. This is good. (laughs) Now, he has lost a lot of weight recently, and he's spending the winter in Florida, so I called him the other night to find out how he was doing. He gets on the phone, the first thing he says to me, 
I recently discovered I'm an addictive eater. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed and I said, well, you just realized that? Right. <laughs> you probably knew this all that time. Yeah. I said, I think you've been an addictive eater since you returned from Vietnam. You know, his biochemistry changed when he was in the war. There was a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. There was a lack of food. He was wounded. He mm-hmm. came home so thin. Oh, That was leaving as a football player, college oh, football sure. player, oh. back, and he was very thin. He had a long hospital stay with lots of antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He ended up with fungus on his knees. Oh, and then, wow. You know, so all of those things affected his dopamine level. And years later, and we know we've, mm-hmm. we've heard stories about people that have starved mm-hmm. when they, in, or just not, I mean, he didn't intentionally starve. Right. He just had just low situation. amount of food a yep. lot of times. The more he, later on, because then his metabolism slowed down. Mm-hmm. So he's always on this diet. And the more he dieted, the more behavior got ingrained in him. I can't stop with one. Right. And it would be the one jelly bean bag, you know, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the orange slice. Whatever it is. <laughs> or the one bowl know, of cereal or, or the one bowl of popcorn right. or whatever it was. So it's it's not something that necessarily happens overnight either. No. It's if we reflect back on our lives and like all the, the changes for him. He'd had a lot of, um, you know, stress and like you said, antibiotics, lack of food, all of these kind mm-hmm. of compounded and created um, that behavior in his brain. You know, so... And kind of like you were saying, Dart, you know, stress really depletes neurotransmitters. Any type of stress reduces the level of dopamine. So if you're really stressed out, you know, in your life, that just that alone um, will reduce reduce some of that. Lack of sleep is definitely a big time stressor. Skipping meals. I I think, you know, when people talk, Katie, when they Mm -hmm. talk about stress, they always think, you know, relationship stress. Oh, sure. That's what everybody thinks. Yes. But you just said lack of sleep lack is a stressor. Lack of sleep is a stressor to your body. Um, yeah. You know, skipping meals, you know, uh, having low blood sugar, those are all major stressors. Lack of exercise is a stressor. Um, and for your brother being shot at, yeah. no doubt, right? Yes. That was a very uh, high stress um, piece for him too. It was. So stress, yes, that too, all those signs of stress actually deplete <clears throat> our dopamine. Mm-hmm. So would you look at that? It's yeah. time for a, another break. Okay. It's our last break. Um, you know, just to remind listeners, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Uh, according to a recent study reported in the Journal of the American Medical Association, people who consumed, you know, more than 21% of their daily calories from added sugar were at double the risk of dying from heart disease. So you're talking, you're really saying sugar causes can cause heart disease. Yes. It's that inflammation piece, right? Not Maybe not saturated fat. Maybe not, which is what has been in the news this past couple of weeks, yes. we're start, which is so great that this information is coming out more mainstream. You know, the study found the number one culprit for heart disease is... Sugar, right? As we're saying, not the saturated fat. Uh, Sugar inflames the lining of the blood vessels. So even if you, you know, are eating more than 10% of your calories from sugar, um, the blood vessels are going to be in a constant state of inflammation. You know, uh, leading that inflammation really leads to a lack of blood flow from um, to the heart. So the American Heart Association recommends eating only six to seven teaspoons of added sugar daily 
or 24 to 28 grams of added sugar. So check your labels and kind of see how much sugar you are eating. Um, If you do have questions, give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. Allow me to blow your mind. Ready? Fat doesn't make you fat. You okay? Still listening? All right, I got another one. Sugar substitutes actually cause you to gain weight. Whoa, is it opposite day? Nope, just dropping a little science on you. The kind you'll learn at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. The kind that will teach you how to eat real food that gets you to your real weight and makes you feel real good. For good. Because the point system doesn't add up. The starvation diet is mean. And you can count on calorie counting to let you down every single time. Learn to eat the way people did when obesity was an exception, not an epidemic. And learn how much delicious, real, vital food you can eat. That's the part that will really blow your mind and eventually your butt right off your backside. To sign up for Nutrition for Weight Loss, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, we have planned some great shows coming up in the next three weeks. Next week, join Cara and Kate as they talk about brain-building foods for teens and kids. And, and then on April 5th, Leah and Katie will discuss five foods that may cause your migraines. And on April 12th, Kate and I are pleased to welcome... William Moyers, he's the Vice President of Hazleton and Betty Ford Treatment Centers, to discuss relapse prevention for for chronic health problems, including addiction. I think it's a great lineup. It's all Mm life-changing information. It's good to tell people that, too, because then they kind of know what's coming Mm -hmm. up. And if they have any family or friends that they want to tune in, too, that'll be, oh, yeah, that'll be great. Uh, We do have a caller. Okay. Um, So let's take this, this call. Diane, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question for us? Yes, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, what I'm wondering is how many carbs, grams of carbs are recommended for each meal and snack? And then a second part on that is and where can I get the carb count for things like carrots and lettuce that don't have labels? Oh, okay. Carbs, uh, we recommend probably somewhere between 27 and 30 for carbs for a meal mm-hmm. and about... 10, 15, somewhere in that first snack. Mm-hmm. And, and a, a lot of those carbs, hopefully coming from mostly vegetable carbohydrates. Right. And then a little bit of things like sweet potato or a little bit of like wild rice. Okay. So, of course, in our brain, we know all these carb counts for a half a cup of carrots and things. But there are different food guides that you can buy. And, mm-hmm. of course, a lot of people just Google it. And yeah. They, they will, it will tell you exactly how much a half a cup of carrots mm-hmm. or half a cup of sweet, sweet potatoes has for carbs. Yeah, it's all over the Internet. So we, okay. you know, we kind of look at, for most people, but not everyone, most people can manage about 100 grams of carbs, maybe 130 up to 130 mm-hmm. if they're really active. Mm-hmm. But again, some people, we, we it really it has to be cut down to 60, mm-hmm. depending on how sensitive their blood sugars are. Okay. And does it different for men and women? Usually, mm-hmm. um, usually they need a, men need a little bit more carb. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on more how active you are. Yeah. More okay. than anything. Thank you. 
Okay. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks, that, that's Diane. A good question. That is a good question. That's a that's one we get pretty often, yeah. um, especially even in our classes. So, you know, I think Katie sometimes clients don't believe that they can do anything about the stress in their lives. Right. And you know, for some that may be true, but for most of us, we can eat breakfast. And we can eat an additional four to five times a day to keep our blood sugar balanced. You know, we can also work with a nutritionist to get eight to nine hours of sleep a night. Um, So my go-to for a quick sleep solution is to have people take four to six magnesium glycinate um, plus two NeuroCalm capsules at bedtime. And my magnesium and my NeuroCalm are packed. Are they packed to go to Hawaii? (laughs) Oh, good. That'll be so much fun. Um, But not, you know, not only with the supplements, but also make sure that you're eating a bedtime snack. You know, something like a half a cup of berries and a couple tablespoons of, you know, let's say heavy cream. So that formula works for about 90% of clients. Um, But 10% need additional help from a nutritionist to find the correct food and supplements for sleep. You know, sometimes it's simply just giving up the coffee. Yep, exactly. So if you're having trouble sleeping, try Katie's formula. Four to six magnesium glycinate and two NeuroCalm about a half an hour before bed. And it really does work for most people. It really does. You know, another stressor that we never think about is taking antibiotics or anti-inflammatory drugs. You know, even, in you know, recently or in the past. So you might be asking, why are antibiotics or Advil's a stressor? So here's why. When you take antibiotics or anti-inflammatory drugs, you disturb your intestinal tract so it may not produce mm-hmm. as much dopamine as you need to control addiction. Yes. You know, I think maybe we need to back up a little and just explain that to people. Um, the good bacteria in our intestinal tract called bifidobacteria, that breaks down the meat we eat and turns it into dopamine. Uh, So, of course, for all you biochemists, we know there are several steps in between. But just for understanding, we need things like meat, fish, eggs to be digested or broken down by bifidobacteria to actually create dopamine. So when you take antibiotics, like what I mentioned, my brother was taking antibiotics, you know, after being wounded. And the bad bad bacteria is, of course, killed. And Mm -hmm. that's what they want. Right. Also, the good bacteria, the bifidobacteria, is destroyed. So we make less dopamine from our meat and because our intestinal tract lacks bifidobacteria. You know, it all goes back yes. to balance, rebalancing your biochemistry. Mm-hmm, right. And it's your biochemistry has many different avenues to yes. it. Yes. You know, if you've been on antibiotics several times, maybe for acne, you know, ear infections, strep, sinus problems or other infections, your neurotransmitters may be in low production. And then along comes some stress and maybe you reach for a Girl Scout cookie, but you can't stop with one. You have to eat the entire sleeve, right? (laughs) Yes, of course. And I think a lot of people out there can relate to that. that, Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like it calls their name. I know that they're sitting there. Right. So if you've been taking antibiotics or a lot of anti-inflammatories, it's maybe time to call in an intestinal repair specialist called a nutritionist. There you go. So we recommend taking one bifidal balance before each meal, two L-glutamine before each meal to reduce cravings and addictive eating. You know, there really are so many different biochemical reasons for addictive eating. You know, to overcome addictive eating, you must be willing to rebalance many different areas in your body and in your brain. So there's a blood sugar connection an intestinal health connection, a balanced eating connection with sufficient protein. 
There's a food sensitivity connection. There's a sleep connection. There's a bad fat, trans fat connection. You have to be willing to work with a nutritionist to rebalance each of these areas, or you'll always be hanging on by your fingernails, mm-hmm. miserable and struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there are, there's definitely multiple avenues with it. You know, so on June 28th, and I believe it was 2013, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman, he wrote a really interesting article called Confession of a Food Addict. An, in, an interesting comment he wrote about cereal. Cereal? Really? Most cereals are 70 per, or 75% uh, sugar. That's not breakfast. It's dessert, even the whole grain ones. So he kind of sliced and diced it right there. Exactly. And, he, you know, in his article, he has also quoted doc, Dr. David Ludwig. And this is what he said. If you eat a bowl of cornflakes without the sugar, or you eat a bowl of sugar without the cornflakes, below the neck, it is the same. Your metabolism can't tell the difference. Right. It's still sugar. Yes. Even if it doesn't taste sweet. You know, a bagel doesn't necessarily taste sweet. Uh, Some of those cereals don't taste sweet, but it still breaks down into sugar. Um, Another interesting statement. The average American eats 146 pounds of flour and 152 pounds of sugar per person per year. So he followed up that statement by saying sugar is the number one cause of liver disease in this country. Fatty liver, which affects about 90 million Americans. I think that that's an interesting statement, Katie. Yes. That it's the number one cause of a fatty Even liver fatty disease. Liver. Well, what a good show, Dar. It was such a pleasure. It was. Um, so if you, anyone has any questions about food addiction, give us a call in the office, 651-699-3438. And Katie's ready to work with you. Yes, we are, we are ready to work. Yes. <laughs> Thank well, you, as Katie. we say, change your food, change Sit your life. Life, I love you, all is groovy. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.